Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Here to recap the Chicago Red Stars loss. Chicago Red Stars host racing Louisville FC and drop the game 3-0. Um, not too sure if there's a lot to get into here, but there's definitely some things that we need to talk about. And uh, we're going to do our best to talk about them on this episode with everybody. Been getting a lot of feedback from folks, from listeners, from our patrons, from fans. And um, we wanted to just talk about these because it sounds and feels like people are ready to talk about things. So I couldn't do it alone. No one can ever do anything alone. So I'm here today with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. The Scam Originator. How you doing today, Claire? I'm good. Yeah, I'm all. I'm all right. Uh, the, the weather, the really bad weather is mostly past. That's good. Yeah, We're not right in now, a heat just, wave. We feel blessed about that. It's just, it's just, uh, it's just gloomy and humid now. Yeah, not so much uh, tornadoes. Which I think that's probably where we should start uh, yeah. with this with this game. We're gonna we're gonna tackle this uh, episode a little differently. We're gonna recap this game a little bit differently than folks are used to in terms of our rundowns in the past not going to hit you so much with the starting 11s the goal highlights stuff like that um please feel free to to hit up the league site nwslsoccer.com you can get all that info there it's great um but we're just gonna like start with how this game eventually got started it were uh it was a bad day weather-wise claire i mean there yeah. were there was gray gloomy clouds there was full-on uh tornado warnings well uh, when we flooding. were all, right we were all yeah. driving in we were all checking in with each other like are you okay are you okay <laughs> where yeah. are you are yep. you are you safe are you safe are, are you making it is this game you, happening what's going on <laughs> are you seeking shelter what's yeah. <laughs> what's happening um tough too because you know this was uh this game was billed as as the pride game uh, for the Red Stars, so real bummer <laughs> for that because the Pride games tend to be be pretty hopping and pretty pretty exciting. Um, but yeah, rough, 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 scary. Like I gotta say, personally, like driving in that uh, that shit was scary, man. Looking yeah. at that skyline um, looked like it was almost gonna be blown away. It was uh, quite quite worrisome, and. Um, all of a sudden we, you know, we started engaging with each other and, and talking about things. And all of a sudden we started seeing uh, the warnings go off and people were told to seek shelter in their cars. Cause of course the tailgating culture is, is epic Bridgeview and um, people had to stay in their cars. The, the gates were shut down. They weren't really going to be allowing people in. Um, then there were conversations of uh, postponement or delaying, um, of the game really. And, um, quite frankly, like that's, that's, I think I want to maybe hone on, hone in on that for a second. It really was just more about delaying the game there. I don't feel like it ever really got to a point where there was a serious consideration of postponement. Um, and that was tough. That was tough because, um, you know, you cover women's sports and you cover a women's pro league and you, you wish that, uh, these type of, you know, leagues and, and these, and these players, uh, you know, got the opportunity to, to pull, to, to actually postpone games or reschedule them. And unfortunately that's a bit of a luxury. Um, 
on this side and you're just not able to do it. And, you know, I think that was one of my reactions, like in watching all of this happen, because we just, Claire, we were in that press box and we just kept seeing that pitch get worse and worse and worse, like the waterlogged areas going on on that grass. Um, it was, it was bad. It was tough, tough to see. And then just down the street, really, you had a team in the White Sox monitoring the same things and they were pushing their stuff back and rescheduling things. And all of a sudden MLB just said, no, there will not be a game today. And uh, it just made me feel some type of way. I was just like, wow, what a luxury to just be able to, to call off a game and, uh, and post postpone. It's very rare when that happens in NWSL. So I think we both maybe kind of had the feeling that uh, that was not going to happen and it didn't. Um, and instead the game just got pushed back about two and a half hours uh, instead. And it was rough to be I mean, waiting. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I mean, to be completely honest, I don't think I ever considered the game would get canceled um, just because there's no precedent for them canceling for rain. Uh, usually they, you know, but I mean, I think that's true for MLS as well. I don't think they really cancel for rain either but um yeah i mean not to use the uh the the dirty word uh drainage but um <laughs> sea geek so like the good news bad news of of what that was like for sea geek was that it wasn't like that i don't know if people caught like the washington spirit kansas city game where that kansas city pitch was just getting like chunked to death like it mm-hmm just was getting ripped open and you just had these sort of sections with just plain like mud. That was not what was happening on in SeatGeek. Like they, it was not a mud issue. It was not anything like that, but it was just simply that there was more rain coming in than the pitch could drain, which meant that you wouldn't know it looking at it from like the press box, but when the ball would move or when players would move and players would slip, you could tell what areas were pretty, waterlogged essentially. And so the reason, like part of the reason why baseball games get postponed is because it's not necessarily because it's unsafe to play, but it's because they know that it's going to ruin their field. And so in this particular case, this was not like a field ruining situation, but it was not going to be a a quote unquote, like good game. And we were saying when the game started, like, and I think actually Annie Costabile asked the players this after it, where it's, you don't know, it just gets more dangerous, not just because you can't see very well, but it gets more dangerous because everything moves a little bit slower in those conditions. The ball moves a little bit slower. Players are moving a little bit slower. And what we saw multiple times is if you are a professional player in this league and you are going for a ball and you know that you're not going to make it, you go to ground. <laughs> yeah. And so we saw that a lot in this match where <clears throat> you saw players going to ground because they knew that they were not about to be able to cleanly reach the ball. And that's where it starts to get a little bit scary because in some ways you're like, it's okay. Everyone's again, moving very slowly. You're not going to see any sort of like high flying tackles, anything like that. But when you're more likely to go to ground because you can see the ball slipping away from you, they all mostly got ball, which is great. But the big fear is that you don't get ball and you get ankle. And I think that they're lucky that that didn't happen. And you also, to a certain extent, have to trust that the players know what they're doing. And it was on both sides. It wasn't just one team that was doing this. Uh, But it is a little bit scary to watch 
sometimes. Yeah. Though I will also say that there is no like more visceral sense memory as someone who played soccer than like the really rainy, like messy game. Like there's uh-huh. not a lot of times where I watch NWSL and I think to myself, I can relate this to my personal experience, <laughs> but yeah. that is actually one where it's like, is this, I remember like when you're a kid, that stuff's kind of fun, but when you're a professional, it just has to be kind of, you're just like, Oh my God, let's just get through this and try not to embarrass ourselves. No, I feel that a hundred percent. I think um, just like in general, like my anxieties were increasing. Like it just says, I just kept seeing the pitch. Like there was an attempt to sort of like cut out the water and it out. And it just was like, we're not really working. And um, I was like, Oh God, these teams are about to, they're really about to play on this. And there's like people going to the Olympics and they're about to play on this. And it was um, tough tough it, it brought back some um it honestly Claire like it brought back some real snow game vibes for me and I said man you know what this game can use right now a brook Elby and uh there wasn't a brook Elby and I just was like I, I remember that game getting called off because they gave it a go I think they ended up getting out on the pitch for warm-ups but in that snow game they were just like no it's just it's too icy there's a lot of you know potential for cleats slipping and uh, stuff like that and ended up getting called and moved to the next day so it just um my anxieties were just like oh man it's gonna be rough but um it just never got to that point um two teams showed up to play and then they attempted to to play a game of soccer and um yeah the ball wasn't moving really good on this day it was uh straight up stopping <laughs> at points uh, on this pitch and um the red stars we're retaining more of the ball like in this first half Claire. Yeah, yeah. Um, and making attempts to sort of play out wide and uh, link up with each other. And uh, we sort of very quickly saw racing allow that to happen. They were like, you do that. You keep hanging on to that ball. You keep hanging on to that ball and trying to connect passes and, and do things. And uh, it was weird. It was weird to, um, watch the Red Stars uh, come out and try to play some soccer um, on this pitch. And it was also kind of tough because there was like weird moments where there were like small, I think there were like maybe two, let's just say in the whole of the 90 minutes, like the whole of this 90 minutes in a, in a three goal loss, like where there were maybe like two 10 to 12 minute stretches of games of the game where it looked like they were you know, pressing and maybe looking a little bit dangerous, but not super, you know, super, super dangerous. But um, I think going down that early, that not even early, but going down that by that first goal, like just ahead of halftime from Ebony Salmon, I think just sort of like cemented things for me. Um, just sort of watching like how the team had been attempting to play on that right. type of surface and then watching the type, like the type of goal that it was from Ebony Salmon. It was just like a very good ball through from CC Kaiser to, to a sort of stretched out, <laughs> a small stretched out defense, like maybe on a different surface or on a different day, that's a ball that's savable for somebody like a listener, but on this day, it just was not right. Um, she didn't put a ton of power behind this shot. It ends up sort of just dribbling 
past Alyssa Nair's shoulder that gets caught in the ground um, as she's like attempting to do something on this slick pitch. Um, and it happens like in the 30th minute, I believe. So it's just before halftime and just uh, sort of seeing the feeling the tempo of the game like this. There was a lot of just eye tests, you know, versus like numbers going on for me in this game and just sort of watching the movement of the Red Stars and just sort of watching the movement of Louisville and what they were trying to do, just seeing them go down that goal. I'm like, they're, they're, they're not coming back. Right. So Sandra and I were of two different. So before, before the game started, I said, I thought, I thought Chicago was going to win this game. I'll say it. Um, and I thought that Louisville might score first. I, I said both of those two things. Um, but I, it, at halftime, we were talking about it and, and I said, I, I think I just asked, I said, so you don't think they can come back? And Sandra said, no, nope. no. Nope. I was like, well, I think they might, but I also think you might be right. And, uh, <laughs> because it was kind of those things where I was like, I thought Louisville might score first, but not in a half that kind of felt like that, you know? Um, yeah, let's, I want to talk about Chicago's offense. Um, because yeah, I wouldn't even, I would don't know that the offense really, the second half was a little bit different because the game state had changed, but in, in the first, first half where they were trying to be on that front foot and score first and, and control the match and all that sort of thing. Cause the thing you want to do in a game like this is you want to score and yeah. then you can play it safe and yep. you can just take care, take care of yourselves. But, um, so some eyeball test here, but we also need to talk a little bit about some, some stats. Let's uh, so, I, I, I put it like this in the, in the moment. And I think that I still think this is true, which is that when Chicago plays offense, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's with the goal of putting the ball in the back of the net. It's like they're collecting an XG portfolio. So they're like, so we're going to like do this little thing here and then get this shot. And that's going to add to our XG. And then we're going to like put things together here and then we're going to get this shot. And that's going to add to our XG. And it's like, they're putting together like a breadth of work that, and they say, well, maybe if you look at all of our work, you'll say this was good. Um, and it rarely results in goals. Like we have to talk about how the attack Chicago's attack has not really improved. And you have to look at the goals that they do score, unfortunately, as, as anomalies, they haven't scored in the run of play in three games. Um, the, the goal that they scored against North Carolina was a scrum in the box that was tapped in by Rachel Hill, um, off of a corner kick, right? Uh, we have as many goals by midfielders as we do our attacking line. And I think that some of it is personnel for sure. And, Rory Dames straight up said after the match that they do not have an out and out goal scorer, which I actually, to a certain extent, I'm like, yes, you do. You have Mallory Pugh, but what is happening in this system that is, is making this so inefficient. And I think that that's the thing that I want to say about this Louisville game as a new source of evidence for this project, which is that, you know, you look at games like the Portland game or even to a lesser extent, the OL rain game. And you say, okay, well, they were a little bit flustered. They couldn't get anything going. There was nothing happening in the attack because they weren't getting the ball because they were on, on the back foot, but that's not what happened in this game. They were on the front foot for a long time and they still couldn't get a breakthrough. And I think it's partially 
again, personnel, because I think that defenses have identified that there are only certain members of that front six that they need to respect. And that means that someone like Mallory Pugh gets a lot of attention every time she's on the ball and defenders don't really have to mind what else is happening in the attack. I think part of it though, is just system failure to be completely honest. I think you also have, they're trying to do this sort of interloping integrated system where no one has a super set role, which means that someone like Mallory Pugh starts out wide, but is expected to drift centrally. And then you have Vanessa Di Bernardo who is in the midfield, but she's also expected to drift forward and, and wide. And you have Rachel Hill who is uh, a winger, but she's also drifting back. You have the outside backs pushing forward. They're like putting a lot of numbers up front. Go ahead. Would you say my friend, because hmm. you're on such a great role, like you're feeding my soul with all the systematic stuff. Would you say that there's so many overlapping runs perhaps that players are almost getting in each other's way? Yes, that is exactly where I was going. So hit me, continue. You have a lot of players pushing forward and they are making similar runs. And that means that the defenses that they're playing also don't get stretched because if you've got two red stars here and two red stars here, and one of them has the ball, you can focus on the players that have the ball close down on them without having to worry about the open player. And that's a mixture of players getting in each other's way and then people not moving enough. And so that's how you end up with, you know, there were the stats were that Chicago got a lot of touches in the box. That's been true consistently for them this year, that they are making entrances into the box and they are getting into dangerous spaces. But what those stats don't show is that you have two red stars right next to each other with two defenders on them. And the defenders are between them and the goal. And then you have a player maybe behind them at like the top of the box. And that player is also marked. And all three of those defenders are in the passing lane to that player at the top of the box. And So the two players right next to each other can pass it to each other all day long, but there's no final motion or movement to actually make this dangerous. So you either have that player who is not in a great spot, take a shot and it doesn't hit the target, or they do attempt to try to make that, that pass in and it gets blocked or cleared. And that's how you end up with these sort of lateral passing lanes where you're passing around the box, even when you're in the box, but you're never actually advancing towards goal. And every passing option that a player has, it's not, they're not in a better position than the person with the ball. And the defense is, is behind them anyway. They've got four players and a goalkeeper between them and, and, and the goal. So it, that became really clear in this game because Louisville's defense is not that good. So the fact that Chicago made it so easy to defend them, the fact that Mallory Pugh was on the ball a lot and never felt like she was isolated in space is it's an indictment of the play. Sure. Right. But it's a system failure as well. And so that's where, when someone like Rory Dame says, we don't have an out and out goal scorer. I'm like, sure. I mean, that is factually true because people are not scoring goals, but I'm not sure what player you put in this exact system and they immediately start flourishing. So I don't, I don't really know what happens next. It's a weird combination of like all of these things. Right. And um, yeah, I don't, you know, I think it's, it's, 
it's a natural question, I think, to ask of each other at, at, at halftime. And I feel like we've been doing that a lot this this year with this particular team that we cover. And I just, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's just the fact that it's like, sure, I think in any other day, I think any team, it's like, all right, you're down a goal at halftime. Can they turn it around in the second half and, and maybe equalize or, or steal a game? Yeah. Like, of course, like naturally you're like, you, you're just looking at a, a score line like that, and it's natural to be like, anything could happen in the second half. But I think on this particular day, for me, this is just a Sandra thing. On this particular day, for me, like with the conditions and the type of soccer that we were watching be played on this pitch, I just was like, no. And it was like an emphatic no. It was right. like a decisive No, which I just, I don't know if I've had like a decisive or emphatic no um, on the team uh, this, this year. And I think uh, a part of that is because of a lot of the, the, the kind of questions that we still have after a lot of these games. And I think for me, it's not just, uh, it's not just sitting down and looking at this team over the last eight games. It's for me, it's, sitting down and and looking at this team and their team performances and NWSL competitions over the course of 2021. And the fact of the matter is, is that this team is 12 games into their year and they have not had a lot of standout team performances that they could point at and say, you know, circle that this is what we're trying to do, or this is how we're trying to play. And this is who we are. That's an alarm. Um, and you're sounding it, baby. Sound I'm ringing the alarm. No, I'm not ringing the alarm, but I am. I am still asking questions, man, because that's where I was at. Like that's, it hit me. And I was just kind of like, man, uh, we've been sort of asking these same questions for a lot it feels like a lot longer than we have because it's true. <laughs> We've been asking these questions for a lot longer than we have because it's true. We've been asking them for, for 12 games, um, not just the eight that they've been playing here in, in the regular season. And I don't know, Claire, I think like it's important that you're touching on the fact that, you know, the, the points of a combo of like systematic or potentially personnel failure between the two. And I think it's an, important for us to maybe go from that like how did this game go from a loss to kind of a gut punch to be quite frank um because they didn't lose this game Uh, they didn't lose a sloppy you know rainy game one two to one or something yeah they they lost it three to zero right and um I think that's, again, that's natural. You go into halftime, you say what you got to say to each other. You try to make the mental adjustment at the very least, if you're not making the personnel adjustment to come out and do some things. Now we saw them do that. They did what they did in the first set. We saw in that first set, they opened up strong. That's what I'm talking about with these two 10, 10 to 12 minute stretches of promising attack from this team. The one that happened in the first half. And then again, here in the second half, we saw Mal Pugh getting right back to work, quite frankly. Seeing her get on the ball, making her runs, trying to stretch defenders on this back line. And um, not this team just not being able to do enough there to break through on goal. And 
Louisville at this point, I think, had already figured out what they had to do to try to win this game, which is to keep doing what they were doing, was to just try to play direct, get in front of goal, try to counter. And um, I think we saw, like, this is actually, I think, the maybe the first game, even though there's a lot of games this year where we've had a lot of questions, but this is maybe the first game where we can point to a moment in a match and say, oh, this is when it got really bad. And there was a, a moment where we saw uh, in the 55th minute, if I remember correctly, um, because again, this a game like this is going to get choppy. So there were yellows that were issued and Danny Colaprico returned to the lineup after being out for a couple weeks with, with injury, got the start against this team, um, picked up a yellow early in the first half. I believe that was either during the 10th or 11th minute. And then here we are in the 55th minute where uh, Yuki Nagasato, uh, a player people are familiar with in Chicago, um, ends up getting behind a ball. And uh, I think in any other game, if you're not on the yellow, you think, yes, this is a smart tactical foul to make. You don't want this player to break away. Um, but Colaprico was already on a yellow, picked up a second yellow, and all of a sudden this team is down in a re- already a very tough game uh, at a 10-player disadvantage. Uh, picked up a second yellow and, and, and gets uh, gets sent off. And then right. to add insult to the whole scenario, the player that you foul ends up scoring a go-ahead goal just minutes later. Well, it was on the free kick. It was on yeah. the free kick from the, the foul that, that was issued the second yellow. Yeah, I think, I mean, I... Mm. It's tough. It was a tough tough moment that well, is a tough moment it, it is a, it is a tough moment i agree it is a tough moment and i think that i again i i never want to just be like that was bad or that was careless or whatever because i, no, I don't no. think that that's good i don't think that that's curious enough curiosity and i think that you know the reason bianca and george got a red card in that tuesday match is because she was struggling yeah. and and that is what happens sometimes sometimes you get reds because you're you get you maybe make one yellow worthy foul but you get called for two or you get a red because um the ref is having a howler or or whatever but for for Bianca it was frustration and and then it, it was clear why she was struggling right this is the first time she played a game in a long time and then the the, the weirder thing for Colaprico is that those two yellows that she got were also kind of like struggle yellows. They were the kind of yellow cards you would get if you were struggling, except playing against a team like Louisville, that struggle. I mean, you could still feel like if she really wasn't feeling that great, like she, again, she hasn't played in in three games. I, it's one of those things where you still kind of have to keep your head. Even if you feel like you're struggling, you have to understand that it, what you have to do is like not make it worse because yeah, I mean, Danny, Danny looked like she, she hadn't played in a couple of games, but making a tactical foul. And that's what it was. She, she grabbed Yuki's arm um, on a yellow card is in the way that she also walked off the field was that she was making a choice to take a red essentially. And I think I understand where that comes from but it was objectively not the right choice in that moment. And arguably it resulted in, well, it did literally result in, in Louisville's next goal. So um, 
I don't know if I want to make any big sweeping statements about that, but it definitely took this mm-hmm. from, okay, this is in line with a lot of other Chicago performances we've seen this year to this is one of their worst losses in a long time at home. Yeah. Certainly. No, I'm in agreement with you hundred uh, percent. It's in no way saying that like uh, a player wasn't working hard on this day. There were several players working hard and there were 22 players There were players on both sides of the ball. that were working very, very hard. Um, and Danny Colaprico is an epic midfielder. She's an elite NWSL midfielder who uh, quite frankly, should be in the Red Stars midfielder, uh, midfield when she can be. Um, but it was just a tough, tough match and tough moment um, to sort of see play out. And uh, I think it maybe, maybe it feels a certain type of way, you know, if you're watching it uh, when it's a player like Nagasato who gets the goal, you know, we're talking about a player who was a formidable part of what Chicago's attack once looked like or once was and is now playing with a new team and and scores against you and you're and really what was her return home to to see geek um you know because 2020 was the type of year that it was for so many of these players um in the league and then to just sort of um have the game all of a sudden be 2-0 on a really wet day and a really poor pitch is a really tall order and um, I think there was some acceptance of that, you know, on this day, uh, because we started to see the substitutes happen on, on both sides of the pitch, really. I think it was literally at the hour mark for Chicago. We saw Katie Johnson come on in for Rachel Hill. Uh, I think we saw Amina Ekic come on in for Louisville. Uh, Sharples coming on in for Aaron Wright at the 66th minute. And um, really by the 75th minute, Chicago had utilized every single one of their subs um, in this match. You know, so we got to see Nikki Stanton, Sarah Luber, McKenzie Doniak, uh, you know, come on into the pitch. And um, maybe, you know, for a a little bit, try to shift some things. Because at this point, um, Louisville goes up three goals. And another former Red Star gets gets the goal in, right. in McCaskill. Yeah, um, I mean, if oh, sorry, I was just if we want to list like the three goals, right? Goal number one was again. This is in the realm of mm-hmm. of a Chicago Red Stars performance in 2021. They mm-hmm. push, they can't get their goal, they concede against the run of play. That's like okay, this is this is who this team is. This is what they mm-hmm. have been like um, this year. Uh, the second goal was a direct result of like a, a bad decision by one of Chicago's veterans which is always disconcerting to see. And it seems like it's happening more this year than it has in the past. So that's goal number two. Mm-hmm. And then goal number three, I legitimately think. Yeah. Was that, that was luck. the one. Yeah. 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 yeah, There's always the one bad luck goal right. in a big loss. And we both agree that this was the bad luck goal. Cause it was weird. It kind of just got the, the I mean, kind of got deflected in a little bit, but not really. Savannah McCaskill went and, and was very brave. and uh, made a I would game. not have been brave enough to try to strike that ball coming. Like it was whipping. It was like twisting kind of weird. That's why Nair couldn't track it was because I think it hit a Chicago defender and just like went straight up into the air. And yeah, very yeah. confident from McCaskill, but. 
it, it was <laughs> and it just went in the back and all of a sudden it's it, then at that point you're talking about three goals in in 60 minutes uh on this day that that, that game is uh that game is done and uh and it was you know we like I said we got to see Chicago utilize I think uh only for the second time this season you know every single one of their subs in the same week, as a matter of fact, this, we saw it happen two times in the very same week where Chicago utilized every single one of her five subs um, and uh, just trying to see, I guess, some different looks. Uh, because I think at, at I think at this point, at this moment during the game, when you're finally, you know, you're at 75, game is done. Um, that's maybe what you're trying to close out on. Right. Claire is like you want like what is the momentum that you're taking into the next match. Um, you know, who are the players on this day and this type of performance who are, uh, you know, trying to keep playing, who are trying to lead the team, trying to keep things together. And it was, those were things that I was uh, trying to take a look at on a day like this, you know, just outside of, of the soccer, you know, that was being played because that, that second goal in particular, that, that tough goal to sort of go down after you lose a player and you're playing with only 10 and having it be Nagas out and having it happen immediately, like off of that, that player ejection, it was, it was very interesting for me to just take note. I was like, pointing it out, I think I was like, wow. I was like, so, so Mal Pugh is the one on this day uh, because they go down two goals in this match and they go down a goal after immediately after losing a player. And the first person who's like calling a team huddle is Mal Pugh. And uh, I didn't know how to feel about it at the time. Uh, I had mixed feelings about it at the time. Because at the moment when I recognized it, I was like, so you're telling me, <laughs> you're telling me that in a season like this so far to date, that a 22, 23-year-old first-year Red Star is the person that is trying to huddle up this team on a really bad day. And I didn't know how to feel about that at first. And at first I had mixed feelings and I was like, I don't know if that's a good thing, but it happened. Um, and for now I'm going to chalk it up to being a good thing. Um, because I think we've been saying it all year, Claire, we're going to keep saying it until it's not true. Um, but there are three real standout red stars, um, having some really, really significant years in 2021. And it's Casey Kruger, Morgan Gattra, and Mel Pugh. And it still was, I think, ranked true for us on this day. I thought Casey Kruger had a really good game um, ahead of, you know, departing to the Olympics uh, as an alternate for, for the U.S. women's national team. And um, Morgan Gattra was one of those players who had a little bit of a, a shorter day, I think, uh, just maybe out of maybe out of a sign of respect, quite frankly. Um, why are you going to keep one of your, uh, you know, best players uh, in a game in a dangerous game? Ultimately, at this point, um, and she was one of those players that came off at that seventy fifth minute uh, for for Doniak, I believe it was. But uh, uh, those well, are yeah. I mean, Chicago's things. in like another. Well, we'll. Get, I mean, I, I, it's not to cut you off, but just 
real quick. Like they're in another sort of short rest scenario anyway, because they have their next game away on Friday. So that might have also yeah, been part of it. Yeah, going going to Washington. And I think that's sort of where like I'm trying to get us into the transition of things because it's like what 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 comes out of this game then? So they lose this game 3-0. And there were more parts of this game that just uh, maybe looked and felt not so great. And they have a kind of a semi-quick turnaround going away on the road to go play against Washington spirit. What are the good things to take out of this game? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's still the same ones for me. I think that's my point. It's still the same ones for me. It's still still the same. I agree. I am like, I'm with you 100%, 100% on that. And I think that this even just goes back to the thing that I keep thinking about is, you know, we, Weeks ago, weeks and weeks and weeks ago, we kept asking ourselves, who do we want to have a good game? Who do we want to like score and have it feel good? And I remember even then we were struggling to think of like who how like who performing would make us feel good about this team. Yeah. And I feel like we're just like still in that place where I'm not entirely sure at this point that Kalia Watt having a great game against Washington makes me feel much better. Or, you know, Vanessa DiRonardo getting a goal makes me feel much better because I think that what I, what I, I don't know what I want because it's going to be the same team. You know, Rory Dame said that after the match, he said that, you know, he got pretty real with it and he was, you know, like that they are looking in the transfer market. Um, but this is the group that they have. Yeah. and. I don't, the thing that I don't know, and I mean this, is when you've been working on a project this long and it's not working, do you change the formation? Do you go into a 4-4-2? Do you go into like a 4-2-3-1 with Mal as your one, as your nine? I've, I've been wanting Mal as a target for a little while. Agreed. But I'm like, do they feel equipped to do that in the yeah. thick of a schedule? That's what I don't know. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're going to be, um, we're talking a little bit about the post game. And I think for now, maybe is a good, before we actually sort of preview Washington is a good moment to kind of plug this, but you know, we're, when we're at games or even when we're not at games, we do our best to, to participate in post game media. And, uh, you know, on this day, we got access to, to Casey Kruger. We got access to Vanessa DiBernardo and, uh, and Rory Dames. And Claire is going to have out for patrons only uh, a transcription in, of Rory Dames' uh, postgame comments specifically. Because there was a lot there. Um, and uh, definitely opened the door to some some things there. And, and reminded people, like Claire said, about the transfer market and uh, – and I'll just say that's not the first time that we've that we've heard that. I mean, you know, Rory Dames was was on our show during preseason, you know, um, ahead of things. And, and we asked him and we mentioned if, if there were going to be any additional moves. And that's something that they've been keeping their eye on for a long time. Um, and for people who maybe don't pay attention to the European side of the game, the transfer window actually closed. Um, so that door is actually currently closed. But there will be another one that opens up. I think we've got like three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks before it there will be another up. one that, that opens up. So, so what's going on uh, over these next maybe few weeks that we're looking at in a time where 
the team is going to be without some pretty key players. Um, they're going to be without a listener. They're going to be without, well, they've been without Ertz. So that's not new there, but uh, they're going to be without Tierney Davidson. They're going to be without Casey Gruger. One of those players that we're talking about week in, week out, that's having another great season, a standout season for the Red Stars. Um, and it's interesting to hear. Uh, I mean, I asked Vanessa DiBernardo about it specifically and, she says that it's going to be time for them to sort of show the depth that they got on the team. So they, they believe that this team still has a lot of depth um, to compete uh, down, down the stretch of not just this regular season, but in particular, you know, there's this sort of Olympic window that's going to um, take place where there's no break. All of the team, all the clubs are, are playing through it. So um, definitely want people to check that out. Um because there's a lot there. So get a take a second to to hit up the patron and take a look at the uh, quote sheet that Claire's going to um, um, post up for folks there. But uh, it's we're potentially going to see that, I think, in this next game, Claire. I mean, we're talking about how uh, that was one of the things that Rory Dames alluded to in those post-game comments that uh, Casey Kruger may or may not be available for this next game coming up. Um, U.S. national team has some friendlies <laughs> that are going to be taking place against uh, Mexico uh, before they head off to Japan. Um, so there's a question mark, you know, whether or not with Kruger being an alternate, um, how they're going to utilize her, if they'll be able to. Um, but that's going to that's that's happening next. So that's what's going to be happening next. This team is going to have to look a certain type of way uh, as they go on and navigate the next month and stretch of games. And one of the first ones that they're going to try to do that against is uh, is Washington Spirit, a spirit side that I know we have a lot of fun watching. They have players on their team that we enjoy um, analyzing, critiquing, um, and uh, they are in a, a very interesting part in their season right now where it looks like they are no longer figuring things out, but they have finally they're settling in. Yeah, they're actually a team that I don't know if um, this is actually pretty. It's true that they I don't know if they are executing the way that they wanted to that, like the grand vision was at the beginning of the year, but they're figuring out what works for them. And I think that that is what you need to do. And I, I think that they had some grand designs that have not really come into fruition, mostly through, you know, injury. But they have now sort of been like, OK, we know who are players are. I mean, we talked, I mean, we talked about this in, in the game that Chicago played against them uh, last weekend. So I, yeah, I mean, they, they had a, a late, a very dramatic late winner against uh, Kansas city. They didn't play very well in that game. I'm sure they're going to want to play a lot better this upcoming week. Um, they have not had quite the grueling schedule that Chicago has had. Um, the one thing I, one little thing I do want to say here in maybe in the context of that is, you know, Rory Dames said after this game that uh, he wants the energy. He wants he wants the questions. He wants the the searching for answers to come to to him. He wants that energy on him. He basically said that uh, you know he doesn't want anybody to accuse the team of not trying, which I think is true. Yeah. Uh, he he says that this is a team that wants to fight for each other and. He he means that he's not he's not bullshitting when he says that yep. um, from his perspective, he has a team that 
cares about each other and wants to do better than they're doing right now. Yep. Um, and I also don't always love just doing like roster litigating mid season. Cause a lot of it's irrelevant, right? You talk about roster construction in the off season, not in the season, but I do think at this point, I just want to acknowledge basically that if you are noticing that Chicago has players who have left the club and are doing quite well while Chicago is really struggling with the players that they have kept, you're not wrong. Yeah. You're <laughs> um, not wrong. <laughs> you're not wrong. And yeah, it's, we're not trying to ignore it out of protecting anything. It's more just, there's no time to really get into mm-hmm. uh roster construction at this moment, because there's a game every week. Sometimes yeah. there's two yep. and we are, we like the team are looking at the players that they've got and trying to, trying to analyze that. But yeah, you saw three former red stars score this weekend, two mm-hmm. against the red stars. Katie Naughton won the challenge cup last year. Sam Kerr, uh, won, uh, the English league. Um, Yuki Nagasato and Savannah McCaskill are part of a, a project that has more good vibes right now than Chicago does. Maria Sanchez came into the league with a bang, had a great month. Yeah. It's fair to notice those things. And I think it's fair to say, well, there has to be at least a certain amount of accountability for the situation that Chicago is in. And I think that Rory James, like you said, has opened the door to that in the face of the last couple of results, but there's only so much you can do in the thick of it. And I think that that's kind of why we're just talking about what Chicago can do and can control right now, I guess. No, absolutely. I'm hundred percent agreement with you. And I'm, I know people are looking and wondering about all those kinds of things. I mean, Jesus Christ, you had social media teams uh, making digs at the the, front office decisions that were made around players um in the in in the league so um you know those are all things that are relevant at this point you can't we in you know all sincerity can't sit on a podcast about the chicago red stars and act like that stuff didn't exist right it's true it's fact um and quite frankly shout out to those players Uh, i mean it was great to see that i guess that's another one of the good things to sort of come out of that game Uh, it was great to see final whistle of that horrendous match. The first thing that happens is Sarah Gordon just makes a beeline Nagasato. Big hugs. Kruger follows big, big hugs. And it really just starts like a, an endless line of love for Nagasato and, and McCaskill ends up coming in and joining in and says, Hey, me too. And um, there was a lot going on there. And I'll also shout out um, photographer uh, Shana Benayoun and she's, awesome. She's someone that we've worked with before in the past. And, um, she really is, uh, such a good Chicago Red Stars uh, photographer. So please check out her stuff. If you haven't, she got great, great photos of the post-game moments there happening. Um, it was really nice to see, see the love, uh, Nagasato got really from the home fans, you know, in SeatGeek that day as well. It was tough, tough day to, to play in, but, but, uh, they broke over, over 2000 and people stuck around to watch, to watch this game and uh, sort of say their hellos and their goodbyes, I guess, kind of officially in this. Right. I mean, I think, right. And I think that that's kind of the funny thing too, is because Sandra and I really are not 
we don't try to dwell on the past all that much, you know, because we know that that's disrespectful to what's happening now. And also Mm -hmm. it's just, it's not good sports coverage to, to keep bringing things up that are no Mm -hmm. longer relevant. But um, I do think that if you were looking for closure on that Nagasato McCaskill trade, you did not find it this weekend. (laughs) What we saw was a player on a different team who still she's doing great down there, but still to this day did not really want to leave and Mm -hmm. still has so much love for her Chicago teammates. And that was just a thing that happened to her. Um, and it made Chicago worse and that was just kind of on display. And so we can't really spin that. Yeah. (laughs) This moment was kind of sad to be honest. (laughs) Honestly, just thanks. Just got to report what we see happening. Um, but yeah, maybe those are some of the, um, some of the small, like very small and minor, um, positive, like seeing a nice, like nice closing game scenes, you know, like that, um, from the press box, doing our jobs, trying to, to type up and file things, um, in the post game, watching Morgan Gatra still out on that pitch, having a long, lengthy conversation with Roy Dames before he exited and, and made his post game appearance. Um, talking about the game, you know, he 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 mentions that a little bit in the post game comments as well. So again, please go read that. Um, you know, so just just little things, um, just little things like that. I think maybe that is the silver lining. The silver lining that the head coach of this team has opened the door to that energy to be brought in. Um, instead of quite frankly, some of the weird energy <laughs> that's been um around the team, you know, out of the media availability. Um so this team gets a new week and a new shot. That's a beautiful thing about this league. It's a beautiful thing about NWSL. The vibes are always anything can happen. And it's true. Um, so we will see. I think looking ahead to this game, I would love it if Ashley Sanchez and Trinity Rodman didn't uh, didn't embarrass uh, any of the back line uh, any more than they have any other back lines in this team. I would also really appreciate it if Andy Sullivan could stop being so good in the midfield. It'd be nice for her to have an off game uh, during during uh, the match against Chicago. And um, if I'm looking at Chicago, you know, still still looking for those big games um, from Gatra and, and from Pew, and we're probably still going to get them. Um, so I feel a little, like, redundant saying that week in and week out. So I guess I'll just say for Chicago's sake, yeah, I really hope Kalia Watt kind of shows up on the score sheet or shows up in the game and kind of does some cool things. So I would like to see that happen. Yeah. I don't really know if I have any thoughts about wash. I mean, they just played them. I don't know. I have any thoughts about Washington that mm-hmm. I didn't express a couple weeks ago. Um, but I will say this for Chicago is I think that they should start Sarah Lubert. It was fun watching Sarah Lubert in that ring. She did some stuff. Yeah. yeah and I think that, that like, if you're going to go out in the four, three, three again, yeah, you need to get, and I don't mean like Katie Johnson or Mackenzie Doniak. It's like, you need something new. Yeah. And even if it's not as 
uh, weathered or, uh, oh gosh, I'm like completely going on a blank. She hasn't played very many MWSL games is all I'm saying, <laughs> but <laughs> it's still, it'll be a new energy. And I think that that player, it, it, oh, maybe what I'm saying is that even if it's not as effective in a certain way, because she hasn't gotten that many pro minutes yet, I think that that still is, is valuable. And that is legitimately, that would be the one thing that I would like look at a starting 11 from Chicago and be kind of excited about if they, if they put her out there. So. Yeah. Fun new things. It's like I said, like it's a, it's going to be, um, if it's going to be new energy, let's see it. If it's going to, if new energy is being welcome, then let's see new things. I'm with you on that. Claire. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and outro us because I don't think there's much left to say on this. Uh, I do want to thank everybody as always for coming along on this ride uh, with us because it turns out 12 games into 2021, it's a, it's an interesting ride. So it's more fun if you've got company. So I want to thank everybody for uh, listening to us and, and listening to our thoughts, uh, critiques uh, of, of the team uh, in 2021. And I just want to let you know that we will continue to be here for you all. And hopefully you'll continue to, to, to be there for us. And I just want to let you know, uh, there's a number of ways to support, uh, continuing supporting our content, uh, like the podcast you just heard. And the best way you can do that is by hitting up our patron, Southside Trap patron. You can go ahead and um, find a subscription, find a tier that works for you. We've got uh, many. They start at the $2 level all the way up to the $25 level. So we understand that uh, things are hard all over. And if for whatever reason, um, subscribing financially is not something that you're able to do right now. There are plenty of other ways to continue your support of Southside Trap. And you can do that by following us on social media channels like Twitter and Instagram at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. Or you can find us on streaming services like Anchor, Spotify, iTunes. Uh, so go ahead and find us. Give us a, a like, leave us a rating, leave us a review. That stuff helps us out so much whenever we're trying to make these episodes for you. Uh, so we'll be back folks we'll be back next week and hopefully it's going to be to cover a chicago red stars win and in the meantime continue to make good choices Uh, stay safe wear your mask when asked Uh, give vax if you're able Uh, wash your hands wash your face and uh, continue your support of black players and black life and uh, we'll be back with you soon